This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. The U.S. government, in its pursuit of so-called monsters, has itself become a monster. This is not a new development, nor is it a revelation, especially if you keep up with history. This is a government that has, in recent decades, unleashed untold horrors upon the world, including its own citizenry, in the name of global conquest, the acquisition of greater wealth, scientific experimentation, and technological advances, all packaged in the guise of the greater good. Mind you, there is no greater good when the government is involved. There is only greater greed for money and power. Unfortunately, the public has become so easily distracted by the political spectacles coming out of Washington, D.C., that they are altogether oblivious to the grisly experiments, barbaric behavior, and inhumane conditions that have become synonymous with the U.S. government. These horrors are being meted out against humans and animals alike. It's heartbreaking enough when you hear about police shooting family dogs that pose no threat, beloved pets that are guilty of little more than barking or wagging a ta or tag or racing towards them in greeting, at an alarming rate somewhere in the vicinity of 500 dogs a day. What I'm about to share goes beyond heartbreaking to horrifying. Listen up. For instance, did you know that the U.S. government has been buying hundreds of dogs and cats from Asian meat markets as part of a gruesome experiment in foodborne illnesses? The cannibalistic experiments have involved killing cats and dogs purchased from Colombia, Brazil, Vietnam, China, and Ethiopia, and then feeding the dead remains to laboratory kittens bred in government laboratories for the express purpose of being infected with a disease and then killed. It gets more gruesome. In fact, the Department of Veterans Affairs has been removing parts of dogs' brains to see how it affects their breathing, applying electrodes to dogs' spinal cords before and after severing them to see how it impacts their cough reflexes, and implanting pacemakers in the dogs' hearts and then inducing them to have heart attacks before draining their blood. All the laboratory dogs are killed during the course of these experiments. None are spared. It's not just animals that are being treated like lab rats by government agencies. We the people have also become the police state's guinea pigs to be caged, branded, experimented upon without our knowledge or consent, and then conveniently discarded and left to suffer from the after effects. Indeed, you don't have to dig very deep or go very back in the nation's history to uncover numerous cases in which the government deliberately conducted secret experiments on an unsuspecting populace, citizens and non-citizens alike, making healthy people sick by spraying them with chemicals, injecting them with infectious diseases, and exposing them to airborne toxins. These incidents are just the tip of an iceberg when it comes to the atrocities the government has inflicted on an unsuspecting populace in the name of secret experimentation. For instance, there was the U.S. military's secret race-based testing of mustard gas on more than 60,000 enlisted men during World War II. And then there was the CIA's MKUltra program in which hundreds of unsuspecting American civilians and military personnel were secretly dosed with LSD. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Case in point, 
Back in 2016, it was announced that scientists working for the Department of Homeland Security would begin releasing various gases and particles on crowded subway platforms as part of an experiment aimed at testing bioterror airflow in New York subways. The government insisted that the gases were non-toxic and did not pose a health risk. Mind you, this is the same government that back in 1949 sprayed bacteria into the Pentagon's air handling system, then the world's largest office building. In 1950, special op forces sprayed bacteria from Navy ships off the coast of Norfolk and San Francisco, in the latter case exposing all the city's 800,000 residents. In 1965, the government's experiments in bioterror took an aim at Washington National Airport, followed by a 1966 experiment in which an Army scientist exposed a million subway New York passengers to airborne bacteria that causes food poisoning, believe it or not. This is also the same government that has taken every bit of technology sold to us as being in our own best interest, GPS devices, surveillance, non-lethal weapons, and so on, and used it against us to track, control, and trap us. The question remains, why is the government doing this? The answer is always the same, money, power, and total domination. It's the same answer no matter which totalitarian regime is in power. The horrors being meted out against the American people can be traced back in a direct line to the horrors meted out in Nazi laboratories. According to the New York Times, in the decades after World War II, the U.S. aggressively recruited at least a thousand Nazis, including some of the Hitler's highest henchmen. All told, thousands of Nazi collaborators, including the head of a Nazi concentration camp, among others, were given secret visas brought to America by way of Operation Paperclip and then camouflage to ensure that their true identities and ties to Hitler's Holocaust machine would remain unknown, especially to the American people. Clearly, this is not a government that has our best interest at heart. To the architects of the American police state, we the people are merely the means to an end. This is how the government can justify treating us like lab rats to be experimented upon and discarded when we've outgrown our usefulness. In this way, we the people who think, who reason, who take a stand, who resist, who demand to be treated with dignity and care, who believe in freedom and justice for all, have become obsolete, undervalued citizens of a totalitarian state that in the words of Rod Serling, has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. In this sense, we're all like Romney Wordsworth, the condemned man in Serling's Twilight Zone episode, The Obsolete Man. The obsolete man speaks to the dangers of a government that views its people as expendable once they have outgrown their usefulness to the government. Yet, and here's the kicker, this is where the government, through its monstrous inhumanity, also becomes obsolete. As Serling noted in his original script for The Obsolete Man, and I'm quoting here, any state Any entity, any ideology which fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete, unquote. How do you defeat a monster, folks? As I make clear in my book, Battlefield America, The War on the American People, you start by recognizing the monster for what it is.
The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. To join the resistance, visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries, legal resources, and so much more. Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.